book of Philippians chapter 3. I'd like to read verses 12 through 14 in your hearing this morning. Simply entitled this this morning, we're one day closer to the kingdom. We'll get to Joseph. We'll get Joseph to the palace soon, so don't fret about Joseph. He'll, he's doing well. It's about time for him to come out of the dungeon and go to the palace. But today, if you will indulge me and allow me the latitude, I would like to minister to you the reality that we are one day closer to the kingdom. Paul writes, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Keep that phrase in mind, I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brother, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind Remember that phrase as well. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your holy presence that we sense and we feel and we experience here in this place today. Thankful for your tender mercies and your graciousness and your kindness to us. As we come to this time in the service, the ministry of your word, I pray that you will bless your word. I pray that you will help me to yield and surrender myself as a vessel and an instrument for this purpose, for this moment, and for your glory. That the church will be edified and the church will be strengthened and encouraged and uplifted here today before we leave this place by the presence of your Holy Spirit and the power of your word. And we'll thank you for it all. It's in Jesus' name that I pray today. And everyone said, Amen. A songwriter by the name of Emmett S. Dean penned the words to this old hymn. says, I have a home prepared where the saints abide just over in the glory land. And I long to be by my Savior's side just over in the glory land. Whether you realize it or not, God has created in each of us the desire and the longing to at some point in time be in His presence. Amen. I mean literally be in His presence. The Course says just over in the glory land I'll join the happy angel band just over in the glory land where with mighty host I will stand just over in the glory land. I was reminded of Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, but my thoughts were running through these notes and putting these things together, that Paul made this observation as it pertained to life. We all experience life, the ups and downs, the good, the bad, the ugly, all that goes with life, we go through it. Paul said, and even in the midst of this, all the good times we've had and all the fun and all of the joy and the thrill and all of the excitement in family gatherings, especially those of us who have been saved. Paul said, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. See, we are one day closer to the kingdom. It becomes evident when you trace Israel's history and their journey from Egypt's slavery and bondage to the promised land, 
that it is very apparent, it is symbolic of our journey, that we begin from the time we accept Jesus Christ and are born again until we step across the threshold into eternity. In fact, Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, admonished them using the first church in the wilderness, as I like to call it, as his analogy by telling them, I want you to fully be aware that all of our fathers were under the cloud. That meaning they were all under the presence of God. All passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And, oh, by the way, as he added this for a little caveat, they ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Amen. But you see, there was a problem. And I don't want to focus on the problem and be leaguer you with the details of the problem, but it's imperative that I use this as an illustration to point out their biggest flaw and their biggest downfall in their journey. There was a problem, and Paul illustrated the problem this way, but 1 Corinthians 10 and 5, but with most of them, not all, but with most of them, not all, but with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. I suppose at this point you may be asking yourself the question, well, what in the world does this have to do with being one day closer to the kingdom? Well, here's the thing. Paul is illustrating to the church at Corinth, which is applicable for the church today, that we can look at history and learn what to do and what not to do. Amen. In fact, Paul makes it very clear why he has brought this to their attention when he says to them, Now these things became our examples. You've heard me say this often, and it bears, it merits repetition. A wise man learns from his own mistakes, but a really wise man learns from the mistakes of others. Then in the next few verses, we find that Paul explains the various things that place the church in the wilderness in trouble with God. And we're not going to go into all of that. One of the reasons for the constraints of time, we just don't need to go into all those particular issues. Most of you know the story by heart. However, Paul did continue to emphasize his point with one more verse by saying this. In verse number 11, Now all of these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And that's where we are today. At the end of the age. I heard a man tell me, I heard a man say on radio the other day that the world, the United States of America has just become another Sodom and Gomorrah. How can I argue that point? How can I scripturally argue? Such a statement, I cannot. With all that being said, the one thing that stands out to me within the framework of Israel's journey is the fact that the people as a whole could not get nor keep their eyes focused on the prize, or as it were, the promised land. At the end of their journey was a place of dwelling that was beyond explanation. The Bible described it as a land that flowed with milk and honey. Yet their focus invariably turn back to Egypt. In fact, at the end of our journey is just such a place as well. A place that the Bible describes as a place that has streets of gold and walls of jasper just because the presence of Jesus Christ Himself will be there. And as Paul so aptly stated when he quoted from the book of Isaiah, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, he said, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, 
nor having entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love Him. We can't even in our wildest moment imagine what it's going to be like in the glory and majesty and presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in His kingdom. Paul did continue to point out, though, in verse number 10, but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. Through those little bitty snapshots occasionally that we get, God has led us to understand through His Holy Spirit that, friend, there's something that awaits us on the other side of this life that we can't even begin to describe. God has revealed it to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Through the eyes of the Holy Spirit and faith, we can catch a glimpse of what awaits us at the end of our journey. In fact, in my opinion, for whatever it's worth to you, one of the great and gifted songwriters of my generation put into the words of a song that goes something like this. This is one of my grandfather's favorites before he passed away. I have heard of a land that is wondrously fair. They say that its splendor is far beyond compare. In a place that's called heaven, my soul longs to be, for if Jesus is there, it will be heaven for me. The course is heaven for me. He'll make it heaven for me. Jesus will be what makes it heaven for me. Because we will be, we will see, we as He is, because we shall see Him as He is. He will be what makes it heaven. All its beauties and wonders. Well, I'm longing to see all that. But Jesus will be what makes it heaven for me. In fact, Paul made this comparison in his writings to the Roman church. A man, as I described Wednesday night in Bible study, that had been through the mill. I hope I never have to journey down the road that Paul did. But I'm telling you, even though he did, he said in Romans 8 and 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time... Now imagine, here's a man who had been beaten with rods. A man who had been scourged numerous times. A man who had been shipwrecked. A man who knew what it was to be hungry and without food. A man whose body had been bruised and battered from the torment of being persecuted for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul speaking in future tense, I have caught a glimpse. Oh, listen to me, church. He said, I've caught a glimpse of what's ahead through the eyes of the Spirit. And it's so far beyond what we can even imagine that there's no place for comparison. As I alluded to a little earlier, in my opinion, one of the greatest challenges that Moses faced was to get the church in the wilderness focused on and maintaining that focus on the promised land and the end of their journey. You see, they were caught up in the things of the past and the present. And it's so easy to do. A little earlier this this past week, I was kind of in a little nostalgic and thinking back to years gone by. We used to leave our doors unlocked. We used to have family gatherings and outings, and I'll tell you, we just we had some wonderful times. And I remember on just a few occasions in my young days as I was studying for the ministry, I had the unique privilege of being able to sit in the company of my grandfather, my dad, and his brother, the late Bishop Charles Imogene, and listen to them guys talk Bible. Now, I'm going to tell you, when you got them together, you were going to hear about Bible, nothing else. I mean, those guys got together, and I come from a line, a heritage of of Bible teachers and preachers, but friend, I'm telling you, I think, man, just, just those few times I remember 
that I got to sit in that company and listen. I was like a fly on the wall, soaking up everything they talked about. But then I got to thinking, no, I don't want to go back to that because that part of the journey is already won because we're one day closer to the kingdom. Because one day, I'll get to sit with them again, but it will be on the other side of this life. Amen? You see, we get caught up in the things of the past and the present. We think on them so much. They were forever looking back, the, the Israelites were, to yesteryear, the good old days. Please don't misunderstand. We've, we've experienced some good old days in my lifetime, and some of you even long prior to that. And there is merit remembering where we have come from. Don't misunderstand. There is merit in that. However, there's nothing to gain by going back. Nothing to gain. Always desiring to go back means we have lost sight of the promised land. Amen. Wanting to go back tells us that we have lost sight of where we're going. Someone jesting with me some time ago regarding my age and Brother Joe, he's going to be 80. I'm still just a pup. All right, Brother Joe. But they talked professor jesting about my age and said, wouldn't you like to be 39 again? Well, my body physically screams yes. However, spiritually, my mind is saying, as the songwriter mentioned a little bit earlier, I'm one day closer to the kingdom. That makes every day better than the day before. I can make it through tomorrow knowing that tomorrow I'll be one day closer to the kingdom. Amen. What an amazing journey for the first church in the wilderness, as I call them. First, you must understand, this was a mega, mega congregation. Historians still today are debating on just how large the church was that left Egypt, headed to the promised land. I will spare you all the intricate details this morning, but there is so much that we can learn from this congregation. What an amazing experience it must have been as they stood helplessly within themselves on the banks of the Red Sea to watch as the angel of God and the cloud that led them move from the head of the church to the rear to shield them from Pharaoh's pursuing army. And I want you to know God is still the same today as He was then. Amen. He can still shield us and protect us and hedge us from all the upheaval that's taking place in our world today. On Pharaoh's side of the cloud was darkness. On the church's side of the cloud was light. And they were one day closer to that destination that God had promised them, that land that flowed with milk and honey, and they hadn't even begun to see anything yet to that point. What a breathtaking and amazing experience it must have been to stand helpless on the banks of the Red Sea as Pharaoh's army had them surrounded and with nowhere to go. With all hope lost, no hope in sight, Moses stands up under the direction of Almighty God and says, Do not be afraid. What? I'm telling you, church, we don't need to be afraid. Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, Moses said, look at them good because this will be the last time. Look at them good. Oh, tell, friend, I'm telling you, all the evil we see in the world today, all that's taking place, there's going to come a day when we will see it no more. 
He said, you will see him again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. That's something that we as in our human state, in our human condition, even being spirit-filled, have trouble with. And that's reminding ourselves that the Lord will fight our battles for us. Amen. Amen. What an amazing experience for this church in the wilderness to watch as the east wind blew all that night. The waters of the Red Sea began to stack up. I'd have been out there watching just to see how it all happened. Oh, the east wind blew all night. What a, what a, my, my, my. The waters of the Red Sea began to stack up on each side as it made a way for them to cross the next morning. What an amazing and breathtaking experience it must have been to stand on the opposite side of the sea after walking down through those huge walls of water. And stand on the other bank and watch as Pharaoh's army pursued to only be swallowed up by the Red Sea as the waters returned to their normal state. What do you think was going through their mind when they was watching down through them big walls of water on the bottom of the Red Sea and chariot wheels begin to come off? Don't you know the doodads run up and down their spine as we call them? Hair stood up on the back of their neck as the chariot wheels began to fly off and they couldn't get across. They had moved one day closer to the kingdom. Somebody asked me one time after I got done preaching a message similar to this, said, Pastor, do you really believe that all that stuff happened in the bottom of the Red Sea? I said, you could go to the banquet. And I said, one other thing. I said, just to show you how, how I illustrate what I believe the Bible says, if the Bible would have told me that Jonah got swallowed by a tadpole, as far as I'm concerned, Jonah got swallowed by a tadpole. The songwriter said, I'm on my way to those mansions fair just over in the glory land. There to sing God's praise and His glory share just over in the glory land. What an amazing experience to watch as Moses threw the tree in the bitter waters of Merah and the waters became potable. Haven't we, church, seen God do some amazing things in our lifetime? Ha <laughs> ha. Haven't we seen Him heal and strengthen and do things that we just cannot even begin? Some of you are here today because of the mighty miracle hand of Almighty God. Oh, just as they watched and they seen God do great things, so have we. Don't forget them. Don't look to go back. I don't want to go back and live in those times when God... But oh, friend, I want to keep my eye on what awaits us. Not to mention the bread that rained down from heaven and the quail that would walk up into the camp every evening. No one had to hunt. No one had to search. God provided for their every need as they moved one day closer to the kingdom. You see, tomorrow morning, if you are wise to wake up and see the sunlight of another day, tell yourself when you get out of bed, I'm one day closer to the kingdom. And that makes every day better than the day before. 
However, in the midst of all of these breathtaking experiences and seeing the wonders of God's provision, they were constantly looking back to yesteryear. I will tell you, it's easier to live in the good old days than it is to live in the uncertainty of tomorrow. Amen. As much as I disliked it when I was a teenager home in high school, I think, man, they were the best days of my life. I should have taken greater advantage of them. I'll tell you that. But they were constantly looking back to yesteryear, looking to the comfortable lifestyle that they experienced. It was easier in Egypt. They got three square meals a day. All they had to do was show up to make brick. It was so much easier. Amen. Oh, to be focused on that rather than to be focused on the kingdom that awaits us. What an amazing adventure it must have been for the chosen elders to go with Moses to the rock at Horeb and observe as Moses smoked the rock and water came forth for the congregation to drink. Moses named this place Massa or Meribah because the church in the wilderness tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? I move forward to where Moses had gone to the top of Mount Sinai for the second time and has received the law written in the tablets of stone. And what an amazing and breathtaking sight it must have been as Moses gathers the congregation together to give them what God has given him. The glory of the Lord shone on Moses' face so brightly that they had to veil him in order for him to be able to stand before the congregation and minister as they kept moving, inching ever so closer to that day when they would cross the border into the land that flowed with milk and honey. As the songwriter penned, what a joyful thought that my Lord I'll see just over in the glory land. And with kindred saved, there forever be just over in the glory land. I think you've got the idea. I will close with this. There was a wedding in the village called Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mom was there. Let me, let me, let me pause there for a moment and tell you. We've had some wonderful times in church. I, 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 that's just church is all I've known. From the time my mom set me on the pew when I was just five and six years old. In fact, the worst fight that her and my dad's sister ever had was over the fact my mom took a switch to church with me to make me behave. I know it's hard for you to imagine I would be such a child. And that's all I remember all my life. We've had some wonderful times. I've seen revival. I've seen God heal. I've seen Him bring my son back from the point of death. I've seen Him do great and amazing things. Those are all wonderful times. But I'm telling you, we haven't seen anything yet. Jesus and his disciples had been invited to this, this wedding, this big celebration. These events go on. As these events go on and the celebration was well underway, you know the story. They ran out of wine. And Jesus' mom told the servant, said, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. As the Bible says, there were six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews. And containing approximately 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus tells him to fill them with water. Go draw water and fill each pot with water. 
They did so, and lo and behold, he had turned the water into wine. And they don't know when it happened. They don't know. He didn't wave a magic wand over the pots. He didn't say anything special. He just said, fill them up. And the next thing you know, they're turned into wine. I said all of that to share with you what the master of the feast had to say to the bridegroom concerning the festivities and the wine. And he said, you know, every man at the beginning usually sets out the good wine and then as the guests become inebriated and they no longer care what the wine tastes like but at that point then you bring out the yucky stuff the not so good wine but he said you have kept the best until last oh we've tasted some good things we've seen God do miraculous things and we'll see some more before we're out of here We'll probably see some things in our lifetime. We're living out the last day history of the church of Jesus Christ. The songwriter said, With the blood-washed throng I will shout and sing just over in the glory land. Glad hosannas to Christ the Lord and King just over in the glory land. Or as frustrated as we become sometimes, we hear the news, we see what's going on and the evil and ugliness and nastiness that's in the world today and this nation that has turned its back on God completely. Yet, it reminds me that we're one day closer to the kingdom. As the song says, what a day that's going to be. Brother David, would you come? When my Jesus I shall see when I look upon His face, the One who saved Him by His grace. Now, don't misunderstand. We may have to go through some things before we get there. But friend, I'm here to tell you right now, it'll be worth it all. Think about it.